What's up, guys? You are listening to a brand new episode of Gay Side Stories, where the gay shit goes. I am your host, Trillificent. Thank you so much for joining me. Make sure you guys are using the hashtag GaySidePod while you listen. If you tweet about it, if you post on Instagram, if you post on Facebook, anywhere that accepts a hashtag, go ahead and use that. So this week I have a special guest. We're going to be talking about a very, very, very special topic. Uh, and I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves. I like for the guests to introduce themselves. Hi, y'all. This is Marcus. Come on and wave. Um, <laughs> um, also known as Twitless Ghost on Twitter. Um, you probably don't see me tweet that often anyway. So yeah. Or like ever. Or like ever. Which yeah. is fine yeah. because, you know, <laughs> Twitter is a lot. It, it definitely is a lot. You know, I don't know what people be fake mad about stuff every day. So, oh, fake mad, yeah. scamming, just everything you can think of. It's 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 a lot. So I, I don't, I don't begrudge anyone who doesn't tweet often or takes frequent breaks. Like I take frequent breaks. People are, know me for disappearing for three months at a time, and it's just like, where have you been? I was like, I mean, in my house. <laughs> not here because it's too much but um, constructed yeah. some ridiculous ass Abby oh, <laughs> I haven't done that in a while need you to, to get back into that I might get back into it mm-hmm. but you know mm-hmm. I've been enjoying the Twitter polls more so which okay. we actually have one for this episode so speaking of we're going to move into the first segment and that is the school and life segment so a quick reminder the school and life segment is just uh something quick to highlight that have either got you through your week or something you might be looking forward to that's helping you get through the week so my school and life this week is actually birthdays so there were two birthdays mm-hmm. this week um one was london it's uh candace from the ratchet ramblings podcast daughter so she had her first birthday Little mm-hmm. cutie, look like she has a blast. She looks like one of those like really, really happy babies, like or toddlers, I guess now. That's just always smiling, always just a joy. You look at the baby's face and it's and you can't help but be happy. You can't help it. So happy birthday <laughs> to her. Yeah, happy birthday. And in addition, another special happy first birthday to Micah. Micah, who I call affectionately Nuzzin, is my friend Nikki's daughter. You've heard me talk about Nikki on the show. That's Texas Hummingbird on Twitter. The singer. So we actually went over to help decorate for the party. We were, I want to say we went over about 9, maybe 9.30, and we were there until about 2 in the morning Mm -hmm. decorating for the party. Um, The party was lit. Micah is so funny because she refused to smash the smash cake. <laughs> like she put her hands in the in the frosting, and her parents were trying to show her, okay, once you put your hand in the frosting, you eat it. So they were eating the right. frosting off of her hands, and she was looking like, "I'm here for a lot of things, and this is not on the list. <laughs> I'm not smashing no cake. Get this off of my hands and get me Why? out of here." It's so funny when I see babies do that. Yeah, so they had a whole smash cake just barely touched <laughs> after the party. 
But we had fun and we stayed and helped clean up because we knew that, you know, her mama had been up until four. If we right. were there until two, you know, her mom was still up until four. Her daddy is, he was out in the yard trying to do stuff. So mm-hmm. we just wanted to make sure that they could get to bed at a reasonable hour. And oh, we had fun. Nice. So happy first birthday to to those two little precious ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some more birthdays coming up. I want to say... I know there's one at the end of April. I'm thinking. I'm thinking kids' birthdays. I mean, I yeah. if my phone keeps up with your adult birthday, then I will wish you a happy birthday. But I'm more so here for the kids, right? So I mean, yeah. not like babysitting or anything, but you know, I'm here for them in spirit, right? I have a nephew, and he his birthday is in April, so he'll be three. You do um, that's have a, a nephew. He's a little cutie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a very um, long distance happy birthday. So there will be um, no babysitting. <laughs> no babysitting. Well, I know how that goes. I know how the, my yeah. godson lives on the East Coast, so it's always a long distance everything. But who knows? His birthday is actually like uh, I want to say six days or so after mine. Mm-hmm. So I, we may do something special. He's turning two, and I'm turning not two. Um, right. but you know we can celebrate together, Jim and I love. Right. So. What's your school in life for this week? Listen, the only thing that got me through this week is understanding that on Friday, the kids will be leaving. It will not be back till April the 2nd. So that spring break, spring break -hmm. break got me through this week. The idea of spring break, Mm -hmm. it is here. Not having to wake up at 445 in the morning, all of that good stuff. Um, And then also my birthday is coming up. I will be also not too. Um, Come on, birthday! Uh, yeah, so my birthday is on Easter, and oh, I just okay. I, I want Jesus to understand that neither him nor my liver are going to be pleased with me that weekend. So, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Jesus, in advance. But not only so, your birthday is on is on Easter and April Fools. Yes, that actually <laughs> don't say it. That sounds... makes that makes sense. Yeah. No, well, I mean the calendar shifts, so that's yeah. it, that's not an. an on every year occurrence but it just sounds kind of lit i don't know maybe that's just me i feel like on your birthday you should just you know take april fools to a whole new level yeah depending on your level of of hangover i rarely ever get tricked on my birthday because people are always trying to do it but yeah my level of hangover will more than likely be epic so um well i need that could, that's fine, you know. Maybe the <laughs> April Fools is, hey, you want to go get lunch for your birthday? Ha, April Fools, I'm not getting out of bed, bitch. I'm mm-hmm. I'm still drunk. That'd, that'd be, I'd be mad at that. Thank but you so I don't much. Like those kind, I don't like those kind of jokes about food. <laughs> you know, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. No one likes to joke about their food mm-hmm. or their wallet. All right, <laughs> we're going to move on to the Come Quick segment. I'm going to come, sir. Oh, yeah just a few things here so first off we have a twitter poll that i did and this one is not bad like some of them sometimes you know i do a twitter poll and people be acting like i'm the second coming of lucifer or something (laughs) so this one is nice so the the question was do you have an ex that could show up and get the draws no questions asked and the answers are unfortunately or what's an ex so within 
overall majority of the vote, 67% of people who took the poll said, unfortunately, which left the 33% that were saying, what's an X? So do you have an X that could get the draws with no questions asked? Um, I'm thinking of one in mind, but uh, it's kind of morbid, so I will not say those things. Oh, my. Um, but, um... I might be in the middle on this because there are some exes like I have literally like no memory of. And then there are some that I remember, like not necessarily very pleasantly, but Mm -hmm. I do remember them. Um, And in those moments that I do remember those intimate times, um, my mind may often wonder to about what it would be like if it happened again in the present. So. So I, I, I do have one of those. I was gonna so yes. Yeah. So yes and around the wide way. Is, so is yes. yes. Okay, so the answer for me is definitely yes. And I wanna say I've talked about this X on the show before. I don't remember what episode. And it doesn't matter because that's not y'all's business. Right. Um it's shit ain't my business because he's my ex. But, yeah, if he were to, like, call and be like, hey, I'm in your city or, you know, I'm trying to, you know, reintroduce myself to your genitals, I would right. be like, so what What? What time are we doing this? Yes. Reunions in that way are very nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do I need to have anything? Like, do I need to light some <laughs> incense? Do you right. want, like, a charcuterie board out? Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, how can I, yeah. how can, how can I, what's, what is it? What's, what's the song that says, how can I love you tonight? Right. Just let yes, me know. You know, I, I just, you know, I definitely have an ex like that. Like on the platter. Like here it is. Yeah. Here's so, your, your very personalized playlist. Absolutely. <laughs> Although this ex would, I would probably put him on the platter to be honest. Mm, okay. You know, okay. and it's funny because what? you know what? I'm not going to say that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so well. we, it sounds like <laughs> a, 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 a overwhelming majority of us have an ex that could get the draws. No question asked. And the rest and one, of them are lying. No, nah, I mean, not necessarily <laughs> because not everybody has healthy relationships some of them are like you don't remember them or and that may be on purpose because the relationship yes. was so shitty you know you could have a bad enough breakup where it's like i don't even want you to breathe around me let alone take my drawers off so that's fine okay <laughs> so for the next thing in the come quick i actually have a little a little rant that i want to go on um from something that happened to me this week so bear with me okay i'm gonna try to keep this short friends but it was a lot so as i talked about on a couple episodes ago i had a stint in the hospital um and i ended up with one of the doctors i'm seeing him he wants me to see him as an outpatient okay fine he had no appointments for a long time i went to my pcp my PCP is like, no, you need to see you need to see the specialist again ASAP. So they go back and forth. They get me an, uh, an appointment for Wednesday at 4.30. My appointment originally was April 16th, and they moved it up to that Wednesday. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. 
do my thing. I go to the doctor's office. I get there about 419 and it's like 4,000 people in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, you know, hair flip, whatever, because I have an appointment. I check in and I have to pay a whole lot of fucking money because not only did I have, I have not reached my deductible, my raggedy ass insurance. So I had to pay that. I also had an outstanding balance from seeing him at the hospital. And so they wanted me to pay all of that at one time. And I'm just like, girl, like, do you understand that life costs money? Like I can't be in here giving you all of my fucking money. That's what they want. How am I supposed to afford things like you know, food? Right. I'll anyway, tomorrow, <laughs> next week, more like right, <laughs> exactly. So I check in, I sit down, and I want you to guess how long I was sitting there. I'm gonna say a good forty-five minutes. Um, valiant guess. It was okay. more like two hours. Mm. And again, oh. I got there at four nineteen. Appointments at four thirty. So six thirty, you guys, in mm. the evening on a motherfucking Wednesday. I'm still sitting in this waiting room, and I can't just get up and leave and be like fuck y'all because I've already I had to pay up front right. for the visit. So I'm like y'all already got me for my money, and I was thinking. You know, the receptionist had already left. Had she not left, I would have got up and been like, look, bitch, you're going to have to reverse this charge because fuck y'all. I'll just tell my PCP to to recommend somebody else because this is ridiculous. So two hours, probably another 15 minutes pass by. And then the door opens. They call me in and it's some students. And these students ask me all these fucking questions. And I'm already annoyed because I don't like waiting I damn sure don't like waiting two hours for shit. Nothing. Especially when there was a specific time. Like if my appointment is at this time, I know how doctor's offices work. I'm not expecting to wait more than 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes if they have an off morning or an off day. Right. Two motherfucking out two hours and 15 minutes. I was ready to kill. And I was hungry too. Mm. So they're asking me all these questions. Well, what made you go to the hospital? I mean, asking me questions from the beginning. And I'm just like, what medications are you on? And I had to catch myself because I wanted to yell. The doctor is the one that prescribed the medication. Why are you asking me what medicines I'm on when he prescribed them? What the fuck kind of office is this? Right. But I was like, these are some students. Whatever. They don't know no better. They trying to learn. But I'm also not really here for y'all trying to learn on my case. Like, go find somebody else to learn on. A new patient. So we did all of that, and they leave, and then I'm sitting here again, and I'm just like, okay. So another 15, 30 minutes, I'm not 30, 15, 20 minutes pass, and then some girl pops her head in, and she's like, oh, hi, can you move to this other room? Mm. And so... I didn't say anything, but my facial expression must have said a lot because she kind of jumped back when she when I looked at her because I'm just like, bitch, I've been here for five days. What you mean? Move to another room. You need to move your ass in here so I can move my ass home. 
So I just grabbed my bag. Mind you, I got a bag full of shit because the doctor was like, bring your medicine and bring this and bring that. And I'm just like, so I pick, I get my little bag and I had to, you know, again, I had to catch myself because I wanted to swing the bag like Miss Jerry did that bag of nickels. I really wanted to swing that bag at that girl. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know what? That is probably going to make things worse. So you off the hook for now, bitch. But get out of my face. Right. So I moved to the other room. It's another 10 minutes. The students come in and the doctor finally comes in. And I had I know I had a unit on my face because every like I could oh. feel the energy was off. They were like real nervous around me because I because I know my face was just like I will I will beat everybody's ass in here. Everybody. Like I've been waiting for three hours and 15 minutes to see the doc. Three hours and 15 minutes, y'all. OK, that's, that's almost half a work day. Literally. <laughs> and mind you, again, this all started at 430. So I didn't see the actual doctor until after 7 p.m. Like I'm supposed to be home in front of my TV watching direct TV now with some food in front of me and my phone in my hand scrolling through Instagram looking at fine niggas ignoring their captions because they're usually stupid. (laughs) These are the things that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not supposed to be in here with you motherfuckers. So I was pissed. And so nothing makes me even more angry or annoyed is like when I'm visibly pissed and then somebody come around with that joking shit. So the doctor mm. comes in and he, he, hand, he, I'm sitting down and he extends his hand for me to shake it. And I just looked at his hand cause I'm pissed. Like bitch, I don't, I don't even want no formalities. I want this shit over with. Right. And so he's like, Oh, you remember me? And he starts chuckling and I had, I had to catch myself cause I wanted to stand up. I wanted to fight mm-hmm. cause not only have you been have had me waiting for three hours and 20 minutes. Now you want to come in here, bitch. This is not comic view. Exactly. This is not the time. And I'm not so, here to be entertained at all. If I want, I, when I want to be entertained, Beyonce Giselle knows Carter. So exactly. he comes in he's like, Oh, you remember me? And my, I was like, barely, I've been sitting here waiting so damn long. Oh. And they all just kind of looked at me like, mm. <laughs> 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 And so that was pretty much the tone of the whole thing. We, you know, he, then he starts doing the exact same little checks that the students did. And I was just like, mm. <sighs> wasting Don't my waste motherfucking more, my. time. So and money. And well, listen, money already gone. So then he's like, "Oh, have you taken your medicine?" Um, and I said, "Well, I'm late for my dosage because I've been sitting here waiting so damn long." And he was like, "Well, oh, okay. Um, well, you want some? <laughs> do you want some water?" I said, "I want to go home." <laughs> what is not? Yeah. What are you not understanding? I want to go home. I do if not want to look at water. you. You gonna go get me water? You gonna take more time? No, thank you. Let's right. Go. I'm like, I want to go home. I can take my medicine at home. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me at home, mm-hmm. not in this office. Whew. So they brought they brought the water anyway because he was like, he you know he was listening to me be upset, but he was just kind of like, you know, I deal with this all the time. So whatever, girl. Right. 
<laughs> you know, so he brings the water. I take the medicine. We finally finish up. It's almost eight o'clock, y'all. Nice. Eight o'clock at night. I got there at four nineteen. I left at seven fifty one. He's like, oh, you know, it's, I don't know some some shit he said at the end, and I was I I didn't even say anything because at this point I was ready to start cussing his ass out for real. Exactly. Um. So I finally left, and that was it. So I just want to say to the doctor's offices, to American Healthcare, we have to do better. There's no reason for anybody to have to wait three and a half hours to see a specialist in their office. And they're like, oh, well, sorry for the wait. Um, It's just that we had to squeeze you in. And I'm thinking to myself, where's the squeezing? Because if the appointment was at 4.30 and I didn't see you till 7.30, where exactly did you squeeze me in? You just added me to the end. Like you just add. And my thing is, if you know, as a doctor's office, if you know y'all are behind, running late, or whatever the case may be, let somebody know. Like they could have told me, hey, that, you know, we're kind of backed up with patients from earlier. Why don't you you check? Go ahead and check in and come back in like an hour and a half or two hours. I would have been like, okay, cool. I can go take me a nap. You know what I'm saying? I can go get on Tumblr and work something out. I can do a lot. I can eat. I can do a lot of things in two hours. But standing up in this damn waiting room was not one of the things I wanted to be doing. So I was pissed. So needless to say, whoo, man, I'm, I'm really on some shit. Like I want to tell my PCP, I need a different specialist because I'm not going through that shit again. I will 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. I'm gonna be like, give me my money back. Like re refund. Right. And I'll go find somebody else. Cause this is ridiculous. Just because I have this condition that I need you to help treat. That does not mean that I'm trying to sit up in here and look at your bitch ass office for two, three hours every time I have an appointment. Like, that's crazy for, to me. For you to do the same things you're going to do next time. Like, no. Right. For you to do the same shit and tell me the same shit. Like, no, we don't need to do that. So, anyway, I've rent, ranted enough. But that really, really, <laughs> really pissed me off. You know? That, like, and it's, that was a good release. It's something about when you pay for services and they waste your time that really just grinds my gears and they do make it seem like i'm i'm your last resource so you won't have to sit here as long as i tell you to right i mean any other situation i would have left but again because and i think that they must have had complaints in the past or something because this this is the only doctor's office i've ever been to i'm not saying that it may not be prevalent other places but i've never been to a doctor's office where they want you to pay up front it's usually okay. We're gonna do once you leave, then we'll charge you for whatever we needed right. to have done. I've never had them be like, okay, so the visit is is such and such. You know, how are you gonna take care of that? I'm like, bitch, I ain't even seen the motherfucker yet. You don't even know what he's gonna do. You don't know what he's, hell. You don't even know if you're going to see him. What if <laughs> what if an emergency happens? Because this this doctor, you know, works in hospitals and stuff too. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what if an emergency happens and he cart his ass out of here? Y'all gonna give me my motherfucking money back? Right. We're gonna give you a credit. Right. You're gonna have visit. to come back so we can waste your time on another day. Right. <laughs> anyway, so 
before I move on from the come quick segment, you have anything you want to get off your chest? Any any uh recent events, you know, current events, pop culture? Um, I, my recent events are extremely personal. <laughs> I'm trying to okay. get my life together before I start spilling out these teas. I mean, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> we're going to move on. Thing. We'll move on to the main topic then. So for the main topic, we are going to be discussing mental health. Yes. Uh, and this has probably been a long time coming. I feel like I've touched on mental health a little bit on the show before, but I, I mm-hmm. haven't had a whole episode dedicated to it. Haven't had a whole you know conversation dedicated to it. So we're going to do that. So absolutely, I have it split up into two different sections. So it's personal. And then it's community. Yes. Now, with the personal, you you feel free to share whatever you're comfortable sharing. Um, it's no pressure if you don't want to share, you know, real personal details. That's fine. Um, oh no, I'm I am very transparent. So no. <laughs> come on, Mr. Cellophane. <laughs> okay, so let's start. Uh, so, what mental issues, if any, do you currently deal with, or have you dealt with in the past? Um, I've dealt with uh, bipolar disorder too, um, seasonal depressive disorder, and right now I'm dealing with um, just an anxiety disorder. So um, currently not really medicated. Mm-hmm. My doctor has been, um, my psychiatrist and my counselor have kind of been working together to help me cope with some of those things outside of medication. Um, I'm not opposed to being on medication, but I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm doing some type of things to to kind of forego the med- the medication part um you know changing jobs and changing insurances and stuff like i've been on medication and regularly seeing psychiatrists and therapists and things like that but you know with these insurance changes and these job changes it's a long you got to find a good supportive counselor before you decide to move on to do anything else so yep. that's been that's been my search as I of agree. late so i yeah. agree Especially with the changing jobs and and insurance, like if you, yes. So, uh, I'll go ahead and answer. so my uh, issue that, and I, I'm sure I've talked about this on the show before, but mm-hmm. I deal with uh, clinical depression, mm-hmm. and uh, I have a really good therapist that I found, and he's been he's like he's really supportive. Like last year when I was going through it. Or the year before when I lost my job and he was just like, you know, now is not the time for you to not be in therapy. So, you know, we can work something out. Right. Even though you don't have insurance and, and that, you know, that is the idea of a of a counselor, of a psychologist that I have. Right. Because, you know, you we see a lot of representations in like movies and on shows where it's like a psychologist or a psychiatrist and they just kind of in it for the money like they don't give a fuck about the people that they're treating absolutely and you know they start talking crazy about patients to friends and stuff like that so not to say that mine doesn't do that he might and that's his business but (laughs) but you know he's don't let me find out oh no don't let me find out (laughs) But he he was really he's been really supportive beyond just helping me with the issues that I'm trying to work through mentally 
and emotionally he's been really supportive with the shit going on like i said with my job situation with insurance with you know money being funny he's really like the main focus is for you to get the help that you need not the money and insurance claims and all that so i really really appreciate that yeah, um, there's nothing more powerful than that making sure you have somebody who's very supportive of you in, in all of it exactly and I want to say I was officially diagnosed in 2003 mm-hmm. but some mm. things went on and we'll talk about those a little bit later and I didn't really officially seek treatment again until I want to say maybe 2014 Okay. and I've been in therapy since then and kind of on and off medicines I had been on and off medicines before, prior to 2014 but as far as like talk therapy, I had never really done that until 2014. So, um, it's an ongoing thing, and uh, you know, it definitely is. Um, I think my official diagnosis came when I, you know, it got to a really, really bad point. But it's been like recently, within like the past three or four years or so, um, where I started mm-hmm. to actually like seek out counseling and help. Um, group sessions, one-on-one counseling sessions, medication management, like all of that. Yeah. Um, and when it gets to that point, like it's, it, you, you just got to do it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's difficult to get to that point where you finally can admit to yourself, I can't do everything by myself. Like I, right. I need help. I need to, I need outside help. And I think that's an another hill that you have to, find a way over because right. it's one thing to admit you have an issue it's another thing to admit you have that you need help but mm-hmm. it's an, a whole different beast to admit i need outside help right and i don't and think, actually go and seek it and then to seek it but that's another step right. and i don't right. think people always acknowledge that that it's different saying i need help i need to talk to somebody let me call my mama or let me call my friends versus mm-hmm. i need professional help i need help outside of this so let me find a professional like those are two totally different avenues and what's funny is i and just thinking about it like that type of behavior hasn't really been modeled for us like in this generation like we think about like the people before us like they didn't model that type of behavior like it was never okay to seek outside stuff like you had to fix everything everything needs um, to stay in the house right and so so which is Part of, part of the reason why I think black people in particular have so many issues because none of that stiff stuff gets aired out because everything's supposed to stay in the household but there's some yeah. really traumatic shit that happens in mm-hmm. households that can fuck people up for years after they're out of said household all the way into their yeah. household and um, it lingers because people don't give it any light like people sweep it under the rug and right. act like it never happened um, that's kind of like the stories that we continue to tell as, yep. as a people. Yep, I can relate to that because I know my family is good for some acting like nothing ever happened shit. Right. That ain't my ministry. Nah, we need to let all these people know. I'm fucked up and this is why. Right. <laughs> like, I'm still working through this right thing that took 30 minutes on one day out of my life, but it's still affecting me eight years later. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of stuff that we need to have serious conversations about. Right. So, how did you find out that you had this illness? I know you touched on it a little bit, but here's an opportunity to expand on that. Yeah, so I think um, since about 2011, like right shortly after I was diagnosed with HIV, 
um, I started having like some su- suicidal ideations and it was like a couple of attempts to commit suicide, but like it was never like something that I was fully like invested in. Like I right. would have these thoughts and things like that, but nothing would actually come up. It's like nothing would come to fruition. And, um, but like a couple of years ago, I want to say I was driving on a Woodrow Wilson bridge in DC. So uh, up here, um, the Woodrow Wilson connects um, DC with Virginia and Maryland and all these different places. Like you come together, and that bridge just once you get over it, you're in Virginia. Um, I was driving there because I was living in Virginia at the time, and I was like just in like a totally bad headspace. Like something had happened. I got into an argument with somebody, and like I was in a really really bad headspace. So I stopped on the bridge for one because I was like. Um, this is what's gonna happen. Like, I'm gonna get out of this car. And I'm gonna jump on this, jump off of this bridge. Like, this is what's gonna happen. Um, the traffic was so heavy. Like, I couldn't even get my door open. So I was like, okay, maybe this is something blocking me. Like, I'm still gonna do it. And before I knew it, I had called the police myself. Um, and somebody else had called the police because I was somebody's car was just sitting on the bridge. Um, they got there, and I was taken to a medical facility because it, I mean, it wasn't like an arrest uh, situation. I was taken to a medical facility. They wouldn't let me leave. Like I wasn't released until like the, I had seen the psychiatrist and the doctor, which I ended up spending the night there. So it was like overnight. Um, and there I met a psychiatrist um, who was really like interested in what I had to say. Like I felt like it was at this point, the help was being forced on me, but it was a necessary force. Um, and so I talked to her, everything. And that's when they made the diagnosis. And from there, I found a psychiatrist of my own who kind of verified those diagnoses. And um, I moved forward with treatment from there. So it was like I knew something was wrong. And I did, I never took a step to actually put a name on it until a moment where I felt like either it was going to be me figuring out what this is or my life is going to be over at this point. Um, that's kind of how I came into it. Okay. Ooh. <clears throat> Let me just <laughs> virtual hug because that's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot to decompress. And like, uh, and I try to be as transparent about it as possible because like, there are a lot of people who have these kind of stories that don't tell them like ever. So. Right. They don't tell them because, you know, they feel embarrassed. Like even it took a long time for me to not be embarrassed. I mean, I was mm-hmm. even a little embarrassed making my notes about what I was going to say on this about my own journey. So um, right. how did I find out? I was randomly one day laying in college and I was in bed in my dorm room when I should have been in school in class and there was a commercial that came on I don't know what kind of commercial this was but it listed all of these symptoms and it was like if you have I don't know two or more or three or more of these symptoms then you probably are dealing with depression and you should seek help and I looked at and I was like well I have all of those um <laughs> You know, so that was kind of a a, a revelation because the some the, some of the feelings that I had had I had had since I was a teenager, and I never right. knew what it was. So to have it all summed up and there be a word, I was just kind of thrown off a little bit. So I um I realized again that I had all those symptoms. So I looked online to see if my school had any like mental health services and they did so i went to go see someone um i mean you know it was convenient because it was on campus so you know it was just a little short walk wasn't like i had to do a lot of work to get there and that was when he was like yeah you have clinical depression it's like it's not just 
for anybody who doesn't know the difference between depression and clinical depression, because mm-hmm. <clears throat> you can be depressed about things and it could be like an outside factor right. or at factors that are making you depressed. But for clinical depression, it's like an actual chemical imbalance. Right. And uh, so he's like, you know, you, you he gave me some Zoloft and was like, you know, you need to let's try to let's try to treat this. And, um, yeah, that was how I found out that I first was dealing with it. I was about to go into more of the story, but I'm going to break it down as we go through these last two questions. So I want to ask outside of therapy and medication, what do you do to help treat your illnesses? If, if anything, because it may be the ones that you have, you can't really do much, but I'm curious if you do. So, um, one thing I've learned to do is vocalize how I'm feeling and um, try not to like say face or like act like things are okay when they're not. Um, and so I've built a very strong system of like really close friends and family around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what it is. I think that's worrying a lot. It's like you, you surround yourself with people that you know, you can be honest with. So like they know how to support you. Um, there are a lot of people that I surround myself with that like just lift me up. Like they, provide a, a sense of joy and like happiness in my life. Um, I also seek adventure. So like if it's some shit I want to do, then like in those times and I know I can do it, like I just go for it. Um, I'm getting out of a stint right now, to be honest, like where I um, have not been as consistent with my own self care. Um, and I've thrown myself into like a bunch of things um, and into a relationship and, I really, really started to realize that I was neglecting a, the big part of myself, like that I was starting to miss. Um, so it's it's really just important that you keep those things to the forefront and you make sure that you are as honest and expressive as possible so people can understand. Um, and just having a support system, get, it really gets you through. Right. Okay. Um, so you mentioned self-care and we're actually going to touch on that later. So okay. put a pin in that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, for myself, my mind is always going. So I actually do a lot of mental work outside of therapy. And then I'll talk to my therapist about it. Sometimes the whole session is just him listening. And then he's just kind of like, he'll, you know, he'll say something. He'll have an observation that'll kind of bind things together and show me something on things that I have been thinking about. So I, I do spend a lot of time kind of doing mental work on my own. Right. Uh, but out outside of that, cause I guess that is an element of therapy, but it's kind of like my own. Mm-hmm. I really just try to do things that make me happy or help me blow off steam. So yes, like if I'm really in it, I might break out the video games or I might read, you know, I might go and say, okay, I'm going to reread. So like, I know at one point, when I was going through it, I was like, I'm going to reread Harry Potter. And so mm-hmm. I reread that whole series or, you know, I may break out my favorite book or find a new book, you know. Right. But, and I just want to say this because I know this is a lot of people's favorite thing to say. I I have tried using working out as a direct medicine <laughs> for it. And it doesn't work like that, you know, like it does. I won't say it doesn't help, but it's temporary. You know what I mean? Because the I could be working. I could have consistently been working out for a while, 
that's not going to stop me from going through, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it that night. You know, right. I wish it did. I wish the effects were more permanent, but and for some people they might be, but this is just a PSA. If someone comes right. to you and they tell you that they're dealing with depression, don't just be dismissive and be like, "Oh, you just need to think positive" or "Oh, you just need to work out more" because I promise you, you're doing more harm than good. And I want to say, I've talked about this on the show before because I had a friend like that and she was like, well, Mm -hmm. have you tried working out? And it wasn't until I, I want to say it was like, uh, I took after my friend Naj because he wrote like this long thing to help, to help us understand what he was dealing with, with, with his anxiety. And so Mm -hmm. I took a page out of his book and I said, I'm going to write all of the things that my depression entails because it's not just feeling sad which is another thing that's a slap in the face when people think depression just means that you're feeling sad exactly when i wrote down the helplessness that you feel and the the you feel like you're unworthy of not just love and friends and family but of life like you just feel like you're you're just here for no reason like there's a mistake that you're even here. And when I right. did that, that was when, you know, my friends really understood. And it's like, okay, yeah, maybe 30 minutes on the elliptical is not going to fix that. You <laughs> you know what I mean? So Exactly. And people think of all these universal things as if everybody's depression or everybody's anxiety looks the same when it's really different based on the person. Um, exactly. And exactly. there aren't any universal things you can throw out that can make things better. So. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, for, cause for some people therapy doesn't work, but medication right. does for some people, for a lot of people, I know medication doesn't work because they don't like the way that it makes them feel. Yep. You know, there's a lot of people that are like, I don't, you know, yeah, I don't want to be depressed, but I also don't want to feel completely numb. And you know, exactly. the medication makes me feel numb. So I, I get that it, it's different for everyone. That's why you, you have to have your own plan to fight whatever mental illnesses that you have and exactly. hopefully you can have a professional and a good support system but again if you like for example I was going through it and I had a boss ask me one time she's like what's going on so I told her I didn't go into detail but I was just telling her you know I'm just struggling with depression a lot and the first words out of her mouth were like well, you have a good job and you have a car and you have a place to live. So I don't really understand what you're depressed about. <laughs> and I was like, well, number that's when one, you want to slap people. Oh, I, I absolutely wanted to slap. Um, but I, I was just like, well, it's number one. It's obvious that you don't know what depression actually is. Right. And number two, you're not a professional, so you really can't tell me if I have a justification for being depressed. If I say I'm depressed, then that it should be it, you know. But it's such a slap in the face for for people to be like, for to have someone throw all of that stuff in your face because you think about it, and it's like, okay, but this person that we heard about that jumped off a bridge or that, you know, committed suicide, they had all the stuff that I had. So what was this? What was their reason? You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. depression, it doesn't care what stuff look at, 
Look at Robin Williams. Robin Williams had right. everything. You know, money, fame. He was well-loved. You know, a universal staple in comedy. And right. even still, it's like material dep- the material possessions do not curb depression or any other mental illness. So that was definitely a slap in the face. So I, that's my PSA. If someone, especially someone that you claim to love, mm-hmm. comes to you and says, hey, I have depression. I've been diagnosed. Because I get it. Sometimes people, a lot of times people self-diagnose. And it's right. like, that's great. But if that's what you really think you have, then you need to take some professional steps. Like, don't just self-diagnose and then let that be the end of it. But don't tell someone they don't have a reason or try to pick apart their life and say, okay, well, you have all these things that other people don't have, so you don't have any reason. Like, this chemical imbalance, it doesn't care what I have. It, 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 It doesn't matter. So that's that. So last, on the personal side... Uh, what struggles specifically have you dealt with in your journey with treating and dealing with your illnesses? Um, I think one of the biggest struggles becomes like with anybody who has both physical and mental is kind of making sure that you're taking care of both of those things. Um, mm-hmm. The struggle comes in like basically combating like the mental illness and the in the the physical things that are going on. So, um, I, like I said, I've been HIV positive for about six years now and. It's a part of me just like my mental illness is. And so, um, but as a result of like some of those things, like it's the stigmas and all of this stuff uh, associated with HIV versus the same types of stigmas associated with, um, you know, being having a mental illness or a mental disorder, um, it causes and it, it triggers some of those mental issues for people. So um, even understanding like that your words can be triggering and that people's reactions to when you tell them things can be triggering and people not even understanding or taking the time to educate themselves about things um, can be very triggering. And so those are some of the things that I really had to deal with, like combating those, um, the triggers and making sure that there's a balance between my physical and my mental. That's a word there. The the triggers, indeed, indeed, indeed. Okay, so what struggles have I dealt with? So... um, I don't remember if I've talked about this on the show before, but here it is. Uh, My parents have been a big struggle for me. Um, When I was first diagnosed in college, they didn't believe it and, you know, made a big stink about it. They actually threw the medicine away and accused me of manipulating the situation because I didn't do well in college that semester. So... Fast forward a couple years and in, I want to say at the end of 2005, I was involuntarily committed after I had another bad semester, you know, just dealing with this and I was, had really convinced myself at this point that if I, if I was gone, nobody would miss me, you know? So I kind of had something similar to what you were saying before, where it was like a, suicide attempt but maybe not fully invested um right. and i was talking to somebody on i want to say aim at the time r.i.p to aim the goat <laughs> yep um and they called the police so they came to my dorm room and then that was when you know like i said they took me <clears throat> they drove me across the state 
to the state mental hospital and I was there, but I mean, I was so into it. I'm like, I didn't even like, they were asking me my parents information and I wouldn't tell them. I was like, I don't want, I don't want them around me. I don't want them involved. Right. Um, and that was a whole to do. I mean, I was, it was just a lot. Uh, so, I mean, you guys can guess why I have so many issues with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then in 2014 is when the depression really hit me like really hard to the point where I wasn't even getting out of bed. Oh, um, yeah. I ended up there. I ended up losing my job actually. Like I just mm-hmm. and I, you know, it was such a turning point. Not at that. It took a little bit more time after that, but. In hindsight, it's such an interesting point because, like, my my employment agency emailed me and they were like, you know, you've been released, blah, 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 whatever the email said. And I literally read it, put my phone back down, turned back over and went back to sleep. Like, it didn't even affect me. I was like, whatever. Right. You know, I was so deep into it. And it wasn't, it took, I want to say, maybe a week or a week and a half before that actually sank in and was part of my, my thinking of, okay, what's next? Because I was just so lost at that point. It was just like, I was sleeping, get up and eat. And that was it. Like I was not eating out of bed for shit. I was barely even watching TV. I was just in the bed. So Mm -hmm. those have been some of the more difficult, times i've had dealing with this with this journey of battling depression and it is a battle like it's it's a daily battle you know and i know a lot of people are like a lot of people they understand it more people are understanding now but i know a lot of people they just kind of like well you get up every day and you function or you smiling you laughing you making jokes and I just want y'all to know that a lot of us dealing with depression, we get really, really, really good at faking the funk. Absolutely. We become very functional in it. Oh, yeah. We become functional. I mean, we could, we, a lot of us get to the point where we, we seem normal mm-hmm. and you wouldn't even know that something was going on. And I, I have that really bad when I'm dealing with stuff. I don't really tell a lot of people, like, even when I was in the hospital, like I think I only told a handful of people. So right. when the episode came out that I had been in the hospital and when I talked about it a little bit on Twitter, a lot of people were like, so actually what the fuck? Right. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I was, I'm so used to going through things alone because I don't have that close relationship with my family. Uh-huh. I was fully prepared to just deal with the whole thing by myself, but because I have nigga cat. Right. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, I have to tell somebody because somebody has to come. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. So I had to tell Nikki because I needed her to come take care of him because she lives the closest and she has a relationship with him. Right. And then I'm like, well, you know, if stuff happened, you know, I was just like, if Nikki knows, then let me tell such, you know, but it wasn't like I was just announcing it to the world. I wasn't. The, I'm not the one that's going to take a picture of myself in the hospital and put it on social media. Like I'm just, it's no judgment. If that's what you want to do, that's your business, but exactly. I'm not that kind of person. So that's probably been another one. It's just 
sharing, which is a part of the reason why I started this podcast to to give myself a platform to share these things because you never know who might be dealing with the same thing and may have the same justifications or different justifications than they hear. Like, there's no reason to go through anything alone. Absolutely. You know, if we if we made them more the message than, you know, the creating the stigmas, if we made them more the message, like I feel like more people would be able to share those types of things with their, their exactly. friends and their family members. Exactly. So I think that's a good segue into the next part of the conversation where I want to concentrate mm-hmm. a little bit more on the on the community instead of the personal stuff. Mm-hmm. So within this community, the LGBT community, do you think that there's a problem identifying or identifying and or treating mental illness um i still think that a lot of people in the community um and especially just thinking of like lgbt in in the sense of people of color um there is still like an issue with accepting that mental illness is a thing yeah um and that people can actually like live and function and get help from it um there are some people that I know that have been asked about uh, that, you know, have been diagnosed with stuff or need to go to therapists and have been to therapy and done the recommended things. They go once and that's it. Like, it's like, no, nah, I can't yeah. do it. Uh, they start refusing treatments. They start refusing to follow up because that's just as important as well. But um, people, I think, have a, a issue with an additional labeling. So, like, um, I think about it in terms of myself, like, I don't want to be a black gay man that's HIV positive and has a mental illness. Like, there are all these things that are continuing to stack, and I think that people don't want those type of labels either because um, it kind of throws you back into this mix, and you've added all of these stigmas that go along with it, and I think that's something that has already haunted our community for years, but I think we're just continuing to bring things to light, and I think that when more people understand it, like, we'll be in a better place. I agree with that. Understanding is usually a big part of the breakdown or the lack of understanding mm-hmm. I should say right. um, for me I think a lot of unhealthy habits are hiding mental illnesses mm-hmm. you know with sex and with drugs un- unhealth- those unhealthy habits they usually have some kind of underlying trauma or just an issue that the person is not dealing with or maybe they know about but like you said they're refusing treatment and that stuff you think that you can deal with it on your own and you don't need any help but it usually will manifest itself in some kind of way in your life right and you never know it will have you out here doing crazy stuff stuff that you never thought you would be doing I have being completely reckless right being reckless <laughs> you know and I think a lot of it again and it, it manifests in, in ways it may not be sex it may not be drugs just the in, I think especially amongst gay men especially amongst gay men of color the seeming and I don't, I don't want to say that we're unable or we're incapable of having healthy relationships but you don't see that many like we don't have a lot of examples of healthy gay relationships with men of color right and i think a lot of that is because people have these underlying issues that they're not getting and it's not i'm not saying you may not have a whole mental illness but you may need to go see a therapist for a couple of sessions to work through something and you might discover that you might actually do or you might not and or you might it's not. okay either way exactly exactly like i know i can i can cite um 
which I talk about this a lot, but that's just because I listen to their show every week. I know on the read Crystal has talked about in the past. I don't know if she's ever, I don't think she's ever come out and said she had a specific mental illness. I don't think she does, but she has come out and said, uh, I, you know, I had to go to therapy to, to work through what I was going through after this breakup. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot, especially with relationships with breakups, with yes. whatever other trauma you go through in a relationship, be it uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, verbal abuse, you know, cheating, all that kind of stuff. All of that stuff, it builds up, you know, and yep. sometimes we need an outlet. We need someone to help us get through that stuff. So, yeah, and, and the more you let it build up, the greater the disconnect, the distance of the disconnect from your life and like from the issues that you're facing, like the more you let it build up, there's a greater disconnect. Exactly. And it's harder, it's harder and harder and harder to come out of that and then be able to say that I need help but then to actually seek it. So, like those steps become a little bit more overwhelming the bigger the problem gets. Exactly. And then you start expecting you know, just craziness you know like okay you've you've gone through these issues in relationships so now you're to the point where you you expect the dude to be perfect for you to and it's just like if you work through some of that stuff then maybe you you would your expectations wouldn't be so high but exactly that's a whole nother thing and i think yes (laughs) also it manifests in dangerous and illegal behaviors. You know, people yes. just doing things that I mean, beyond just being reckless, just right. doing things that are sure to get you locked up. Exactly. And I think I robbing like, people and right, scamming. robbing and scamming, um, you know, stealing from jobs and, and all that right. kind of stuff. Constantly fighting things that will have you behind bars. Um, so yeah, I think that there's, I don't know if there's a problem identifying or if there's just an unwillingness because Mm -hmm. a lot of, in my experience, and I want to say it's getting better, but it's a slow process. But you know, in my experience, like a lot of gays, especially black gays, they're not trying to go to therapy. They're not trying to do anything. They worried about the next turn up when is brunch. And even that, like. I can look at that stuff now and be like, there's something going on because you, you know, you never are working through your issues or you're trying to do everything on your own. Um, it's not working out and it's not working out for you. You know, your life is in shambles, but you don't want to do anything about it. That kind of stuff. I'm always just kind of looking at it like, okay, what's going on under the surface. And I don't think a lot of us do that. You know, I think a lot of us are afraid to. Absolutely, um, it's like if I uncover this or if I pull this up, then I might actually know what's wrong with me, and it or, might uncover some stuff that I've been hiding forever. So. Or other people might know what's wrong with me, and then you right. know, the world is going to end if my imperfections are shown. I think that's probably a a good way to to summarize it. You know, especially with gay yeah. men that that need to present perfection right you and, don't need to ha- know the whole story like you don't need to see the the dark side of the story i need exactly. to pre- present you with the poison poppies like that's what you need exactly so this question i kind of 
struggled with a little bit. But do you think that there's do you think that that the community still ostracizes people with mental illnesses? Is that part of the reason why? I think that. Well, personally, I've never had an experience with ostracizing, you know, people ostracizing me, um, especially ones for that are closest to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've really been able to advocate the same type of treatment, you know, from people that I get to know. Um, but there are people who have like horrific coming out stories already. There are people who have issues that stem from other experiences that you know trigger all kinds of stuff. And you know, you see the post on Facebook, you see the post on Twitter with people reaching out for LGBTQ um, friendly psychiatrists and stuff like that. And I think that it's becoming more of a conversation, but I still think that that stigma um, just, you know, with LGBTQ people of color, like I think that stems from like what we've seen the people ahead of us do, like what we've seen our parents do. And we, we don't want to deal with those things. I have yet to tell my parents about any of my mental mental health issues. Um, because it's it's a it's a bit embarrassing and that embarrassment that embarrassment can linger for like your families if they feel like people are talking about those types of things. But I think the generations before us they taught us like to hold on to stuff. So um, when you get someone who starts talking about their mental health issues, I think that as a reaction we go back to what we've always known and what we've been taught and what we've seen. Um, and I'm from the South. So like anybody who knows, like mm-hmm. it, you, you don't put your business out there in the street, you go to church. Um, and, but we understand that the church has never been a refuge for the gay. So right. you, we've had to turn to all those unhealthy things that you're talking about, like the sex, the drugs, and you know, all these things, because we're afraid to actually say something about it. But we're also afraid that if we do say something about it, the people who are closest to us that we're trying to get to know, or that, you know, are trying to get to like be permanent parts of our lives will basically shut us because either they don't understand it, they don't want to deal with it, or they don't know how to deal with it. So I think not knowing and then a certain level of unwillingness to learn Mm -hmm. is probably a big part of it because there's nothing wrong with not knowing how to deal with someone who is dealing with the mental illness Exactly. But if you're unwilling to also educate yourself and learn, then that's a whole different problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, just to kind of piggyback off of something you said, there's definitely the, still that stigma around mental illness. I think it's lessening, but again, it's a slow process. Right. So I think that's part of it. Um, and I also think that there's still instances of dismissing people because they're not they're not quote unquote fun or they're always quote unquote mm. sad or they never want to quote unquote turn up. Right. And you have to look at what's the reasoning. Like you, you never know like that person that doesn't want to turn up. They don't want to go out. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. They might be dealing with, with something, you know, Right. but because, and I don't know if it's an age thing, if it's a maturity level thing, or if it's a, depending on when you coming out and what mm-hmm. what phase of your life you're in where it's like all I want to do is is have fun and they're not really looking past like we said earlier looking past the surface of anything exactly so it's like bitch do you want to go out or not and if you have a friend that never wants to go out and you're you're not looking past the surface of that to right. to, to see is there an issue 
Right. Well, girl, we'll see you later. And that's, right. that's we'll all it later. is. Which is okay, but it's like, okay, the next day, it's like, okay, sis, like, this is the fourth week that we've tried mm-hmm. to get you out. You don't want to go out. You, you're always moping, like, what's going on? Right. You know what I mean? Because it's like, if there's not, if there's not a reason, then people don't look, they don't look beyond the surface so if it's not something like i just lost my job or me and my man just broke up it's like well again it goes back to that well you don't have a reason to be depressed you don't have a reason to be sad you don't have a reason to be angry you don't have a reason to be irritable because you don't have nothing bad going on in your life um our community has very much put the presentation at the forefront exactly it's very much like how you present to others and what it is that you are giving when they meet you or like what when they see you or talk to you. Um, and I think that because those reasons, the emphasis is on that, people just don't even think to look past that. Exactly. So I would say yeah. I think it's 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 not a blanket. Ugh, you know, you have mm-hmm. bipolar uh, or uh, you have this, you have that. So we're going to shun you. I think it's very subtle and it's very nuanced right on if there's like an ostrich yeah i can't talk whatever y'all know what i'm trying to say um so moving on what are some of the reasons that you think the mental illness seems to be so rampant in the community because from my observation the the lgbt community there's a lot of mental illness going on mental issues and again, it may be just that some stuff needs to be talked out and it's not mm-hmm. a lifelong mental illness, but there's still something there and it manifests itself in different ways. So what do you think some of the reasons for that are? I think that we don't have enough um, identified spaces for people to be at transparent and tell those stories. Mm-hmm. And I think because there aren't any, a lot of spaces right now, like people don't know where to go. So like, um, you can have a group of friends and that could be your safe space, but there's still some elements of it that you don't really feel like your friends should be privy to. And um, when those spaces become more identified and brought to the forefront, I think that's what really needs to happen. Um, we do a lot of pride, you know, we're happy to be gay and we're here, we're queer, get used to it and all this great stuff. But there are no, there are very few opportunities for like forums and workshops and conferences and Uh, especially in schools like I I work in a school so like I see children who are identifying very very early and they are not getting support at home like their parents are shunning them and all this kind of stuff so it's like there aren't any real spaces identified for people and then the resources that need to be in there haven't been put into them Um, they aren't readily available I can't go to the south and I can't go to Mississippi right now and tell you who would be a great um, counselor or psychiatrist for a person of who is um, LGBT and who is of color or who is of Spanish descent. Like I cannot tell you what those spaces are. Um, And of course, you know, there are so many factors that contribute to that, the creation of those spaces, the the socioeconomic status and like ethnicity and all those types of things play into like where those spaces are created. But like people are, I I feel like some of those places are like hiding. So things, things like podcasts, like they're really, really great because they get the message to the forefront. And I think that there needs to be an even wider um, reach of people who can help, you know, bring these kind of issues to the forefront. I agree. I agree. Um, I would add to that, that one of the main reasons is there's a lot of trauma that happens to Mm -hmm. members of the community early in their lives 
that isn't properly treated. You know, you, like I said, a lot of horror coming out stories, a lot of not being accepted by friends and families. It may not right. be necessarily be at the coming out, but at some point in your life, you realize, you know, these people are not very accepting of me. Um, you know, I think about trans people and their experience right. and just the basics, not even, you know, the difficulty they have just finding employment. Right. There's so much trauma. You know, I think about lesbian women and the constant struggles of number one, being a woman in right. this society. But you think also of all of the people that they come across that are like, you just haven't met a good man. Right. You know, I think that there are so many elements that deal to or that that deal to what am I saying that are pieces of the sum that Mm -hmm. is a lot of untreated mental illness or or um, maybe not even that far, but just just issues, mental issues that people are dealing with or emotional issues, that trauma is is a really big and some people they take that trauma and they turn it into something beautiful right but for a lot of people that trauma is trauma and it's a snowball right it goes from trauma to unhealthy habits and attitudes it could be trauma to you and now you're traumatizing someone else Mm -hmm. you know because we see that a lot um, and I, I think also, that we we've made the rhetoric of like making making things like um, homophobic slurs and covering up our mental illness and things like that. We've made that the okay thing to do, right? And we haven't like normalized like rhetoric around like being able to speak up when something happens to you. Exactly. Um, and I think that people like don't know like how to do that sometimes, and that's kind of why it kind of lingers and sits rampant in our community. Yeah. Or like I said earlier. Um, it just it becomes something different yes. and it takes someone peeling back those layers maybe the person maybe someone else to figure out what the cause of it is but I'm thinking about you know and I think also a lot of it is self medication Yes, those traumas or just the difficulty of life um, being a, a, a part of the community and having some type of mental illness or mental break or just issues that you need to, to work through but you don't and a lot of people self-medicate through yes. drugs, through sex and that becomes their therapy versus actually fighting that issue head on and seeking professional help and that's only if they're in a position where they can because a lot of people aren't exactly. and we can't we can't negate that. I, you know, it's easy for me to just sit up and be like, Oh, you know, they just not getting the mental help that they need, mm-hmm. but everybody's not in that position. You know, they don't have the insurance. They don't have the money. They don't have the mm-hmm. resources because it's, it is difficult to find a good therapist. Um, and if you're anything like me, which I know a lot of people are, there's even like this anxiety and being like, this therapist is not working for me. Right. How do I how do I end this and find someone new? You know, that's a big one. Like now my therapist, like and so because my first therapist was like that, like at first it was like, okay, but then afterwards 
it, it was like it didn't matter what I said he had the same conclusion mm. and it, everything was was the same like after you know when it was his turn to talk he would say the same thing every time I saw him and so it got to the point where I'm like well what am I getting out of this because we've already established this point that you've made and now you are doing these gymnastics so that everything that I say points back to this one point that you've made but I'm on a, I'm on a whole different tangent so right I was I need help with this right and so but I had that anxiety I didn't want to tell him okay your therapy is not working for me anymore or you know okay you said that six weeks in a row what else you got so I just kind of stopped going <laughs> You know, and so when I was like, okay, I need to get back into therapy, I I was like, okay, I have some more parameters. Like, I don't want to just search for a therapist that's in my insurance network. Right. So it was like, let me, I wanted to find a, I wanted to find an LGBT friendly therapist. Like, that was my mm-hmm. main thing. Um, And so the therapist that I have now that I've been seeing for a while, I mean, he's actually, you know, he's gay too. So, mm-hmm. It's it's easier in my experience to talk about some of the community stuff, the sexuality type things, because I know he can relate. Um, and it's it's just a better fit. But again, I there's privilege there that I am not that I realize is there. I should say. You know, because that's a privilege. Like I said, everybody's not, they don't have all of that. Like, even when I was, like I said earlier, even when I was unemployed with no insurance, the only reason I was still in therapy is just because my, this therapist that I was just talking about was so adamant that I not have a break in my treatment, that he was willing to, to only charge me the copay and not, you know, because I didn't have insurance or, some weeks, you know, he was willing to give me a freebie just to so that I would continue my treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I, and just anxiety around picking somebody like that. That's ex- the, exactly. the first step. Yeah. Like that, that being the first step, like people struggle with it. It's like, I mean, it's like any other relationship you have, like you become intimate with the person that you are very. seeking counseling from. So like being able to or having to think about like this is not a healthy situation for me and you're supposed to be having me deal with my mental illness is is scary within itself exactly exactly so yeah i think that's some of the the reasons why the mental illness is just the main thing is the trauma you know the untreated trauma i think is the main thing just to go back to the point that i was making because i kind of got on a tangent sorry y'all <laughs> <laughs> okay last question what can we do in your opinion as individuals and or as a community to help deal with mental illnesses um i think the biggest part of it is really uh, relinquishing the stigmas around it um for me being able to like share my experiences with people and like have open dialogue about it um, so they don't feel so alone or like they don't feel like the only one that might be dealing with it. Um, but I also think that um, we have to make it OK for people to like want to want to like face the demons that have been haunting them. Like we want it to be like to be OK for them to do that. And that might look like 
you know, you going to an appointment with me and sitting outside the door until I come out. Or, you know, that might look like just encouraging you and talking to you on the phone on the way there or like debriefing with you afterwards if you feel comfortable. Like, but making sure that people are not so afraid to like face those things that have been bothering them and that, that you have to like break down those barriers that have been there forever, like to make it okay for people to not be okay. I agree. I agree. I would say um, encourage your friends that display symptoms of a mental illness Mm -hmm. to seek treatment. I mean, that's one of the most powerful tools. Um, Like you were saying, be supportive, especially if they're already seeking treatment and they trust you enough to let you in on that. Um, And a big one, in my opinion, is don't encourage unhealthy behaviors. Right. You know, like if your good Judy is a little too fond of the bottle or, you know, of drugs and things of that nature to the point where it's really affecting their character, their life and everything like don't encourage that kind of stuff. Don't be like, okay, well, I know that, you know, you've been blowing through coke, but let's go out tonight anyway. And we're going to go to this specific club where we know they do coke in the bathroom. Like you don't think you're doing any harm, but you're kind of encouraging that unhealthy behavior. And you know you are, and I think that they think that that's how you cope with it. So they want to help and support you in a way, but like it's not in an unhealthy way. Like right. encourage me to cope in different ways or help me find coping things to do. Yeah. So I think that's going to wrap up this kind of heavy conversation, but it's a necessary conversation. Absolutely. Um, if you guys have anything you want to add or if you want to get some things off your chest, if you're dealing with a mental issue or an illness and you know you just want to contribute to the conversation feel free to tweet me tweet the uh show account um post it in the facebook discussion group there's options um but i really think it's important that this kind of dialogue is number one had and that it's continued and it doesn't just die when a podcast talking about mental illness ends or when the when that therapy session ends like you know that it doesn't end at those points so you know let's keep the conversation going let's keep the dialogue going so we're going to wrap up this show we're going to do the queer query so you guys can learn a little bit more about marcus (laughs) this is this is gonna be fun yes so we're gonna end on a high note question okay so Uh, we talked about self-care a little bit earlier. So first question is, what do you do for self-care on a regular basis? Uh, I do a lot of stuff. So I bake um, and it's usually like some random shit I found on Facebook that I want to try to do. Um, I travel with my friends. I like to write and I also like to read smut. So like I work well, in smut? a field like that smut. Like I I need like dirty, raunchy, like nasty, like stories or something because like I don't want to think about what I'm reading when I'm doing self care. Like you do that all day with the emails and stuff, but like I just need something just just to get me get my mind clear of everything. So smut is like always a great alternative for me. Um, um, I also do things. Yes, I also write smut too. So like. It's a uh, it's a great release to be able to write those things and like most of the time I write smut it's like in times like I'm not even having sex so it's yeah that's usually how it is yeah it is um, I also like to do things for other people 
So um, in a point that like I'm feeling shitty and I need to like um, care for myself, like I think of something nice I can do for somebody else. Um, Cause it really like brings me joy to like see other people happy. So like just sowing some good seeds back into myself. Um, Come on. And I take me time. So like um, yeah. living in DC, you know, I'll ride the train to Starbucks or like go to home goods and walk around or go to the mall. And when I usually do that, I'm spending money that I probably should not be spending, but like just an opportunity to like walk around. And if I need to return it the next day, then I will. Hello. <laughs> Bias remorse is real. Hello. Um <laughs> what do I do for self does sleep count? Sleep does count. Okay. Naps are amazing. Oh, masturbation also helps with self care because okay. you need to, your body to be cleansed of all of those things. Right, um I usually listen to music. Um I actually, now that I think about it, I probably need to do a little bit better with self care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do some of the things like I, I, uh, I read fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's usually the smutty fan fiction. So See? I was gonna say, so exactly. we should definitely share our smut stories. Absolutely, I have a lot of stories, and I have a lot of books that are just complete, like just smut yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, so I, um, you know, like if I have characters that I like on a show, uh, then I will go on, on Leo Google um, or mm-hmm. Archive of Our Own or fanfiction.net. And I'm like, let me see if anybody's written anything uh, with these pairings. And I'll sit there like I will export that shit. I will put it on my iPad. <laughs> In ebooks or iBooks or whatever. Yes, Lord. And I will sit up and read that shit. Like I have no problem doing that. Um, I have a whole lot of shit from like uh, Teen Wolf, from because I was mm-hmm. into Teen Wolf at some point. Um, from Arrow because uh, Oliver and Diggle together is one of my OTPs. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of shows, a lot of movies. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like stories about Captain America getting. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's quite interesting. Yes, we will have to share yeah. these things. Yeah, yes. I see. When I do it, it's like specific pairings. Mm. You know, and that's mm. just because I and I have no problem admitting it. You know, I kind of when I read smut and fan fiction, I don't want to read about skinny people. <laughs> Exactly. I don't have no Nobody. problem with y'all. I let y'all live, but y'all, you know, skinnier people and they get, you know, y'all are usually at the forefront of everything. So right. when I when I read smut and that kind of stuff, I want to read about thick men, you know, mm-hmm. muscular men, big boys. Like that's the kind of stuff I want to read about. I don't want to read about skinny boys doing anything. Um even though y'all and again i don't need to because it's difficult a lot of times for me to find the parents that i'm looking for because it's usually either the obvious pairings which i hate like i i never like the obvious parent like oh these two they do this 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 and on the show so it's clear Mm -hmm. that they meant to be and i'm like that's so lazy and boring like Right. Put some effort into it. Create something new. Create some like give me like okay, so one of the um one of the uh stories that I wrote and I actually have it on archive of our own. Um I wanna say I've talked about this before on the show and I think I've shared the the stories. 
which I, I know I said I was going to get back into the writing the story, the short stories for the show at the beginning of this year. But, you know, obviously shit has been going on, but it's still on my to do list. Uh, but I wrote a story about this show called Castle. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring Nathan Fillion and some mm-hmm. other white people. Um, so, but Nathan Fillion is kind of a personal favorite because he's like, you know, he's a white man, but, you know, he's like kind of thick. He has a nice ass. You know, we've seen right. his ass in like Firefly. Right. So I took him and I took the other character named Javier Esposito and mm-hmm. I just wrote a whole story about I mean you know it wasn't like a, the smut was the focus right? because it's not that easy to write like a, a story of involving cops and like a case like that shit is it's not that easy so you um, probably gotta think about it and know yeah cause you want it to make sense and it's like okay right. do cops really do anyway I'm on a tangent, but yeah, so I wrote that, you know, and I write those different things sometimes, but, and I read a lot of them. So, you know, I'm good. It just depends on the parent. Like I have some stories with Superman and Batman. It just depends on what I'm into at the time. Anyway, mm-hmm. next question. Cause we've been on that for a while. <laughs> what is your favorite pop diva choreography? And this can be from a tour or from a music video. So honestly, the way that I feel right now, uh, I'm going to say, like, current Mariah, Be- Mariah Carey in Vegas. Like, I'm trying to be, like, minimal effort. Like, I'm too lazy <laughs> um, to be doing all this pop-locking and dropping and shit. Like, I just Come need a bunch on. of, like, muscular motherfuckers to carry me around the stage. You know, I hit me a little diet bankhead bounce every now and then. And, yep. and, then, and then go lip sync. And then, like, I'm good. And then go sit down. And go sit down. Like... Go you know eat a what? cherry I'm, pie or something. Like. I'm not mad at that at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, my favorite pop diva choreography is absolutely Janet Jackson's uh, "If." Mm. Like I have always loved that choreography. I will stand for that choreography to the day that I die. And that's just what it is. Anytime "If" comes on, I'm like, "Oh, here we go." Mm-hmm. Janet will give you a good dance. Like she'll take oh, you in yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot. You know, I was thinking of some Beyonce moments, some Sierra moments, um, some other Janet moments. But if is really the number one for me. Like that, just mm-hmm. I've always been into that choreography from the first time that I saw it. I was like, <gasps> mm-hmm. you know, and it's still like that. Even when I was watching, because I didn't go to this last tour. Uh-huh. But watching clips from it, and I was like, oh, "She's doing if, oh my god, yes!" So that's my favorite. Okay, next question: If you could change professions with no effort or you know stigma, whatever the case, what profession would you choose? Um, I think it would probably be like a Broadway actor. So like, if Nene Leaks can be on Broadway, like I feel like. I feel like if Nene Leakes can do it, like, I can't do it. So, like, um, I think that because I love the stage, like, I love singing and writing music and, like, costumes and award shows and, like, every night, like, doing that, like, that would be it for me. Like, I really want to go to, like, New York and, like, be in Aladdin. 
Yes, I'm here for it. <laughs> I am so here for it. Okay, so I said I also said acting, but I didn't break it down to just Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, I said acting or tech, but probably acting would be number one, and that's um, I just you know, but I would I I don't know what I'm what I'm trying to say. Uh, I think it would be like acting, directing. Um, maybe not directing, but definitely acting and writing. Um, I've given thought before to like writing like a web series or something like that, just to kind of wet my my chops a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Coming soon, you know. Gay side stories, the series. You never know. You're gonna be looking for that. <laughs> hey, you never know. You might be in it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, I was also, I'm, and the other thing with that, just because it's, um, but then, you know, I don't know if it's any easier, but maybe if it's not like live action and maybe like a comic or something like that, but I can't draw. So that's, you know, a whole set of issues, but you never know. But I think there are people who write comics that don't draw them. So I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of, I have a lot of ideas, but yeah, so if I could change professions, like tomorrow, like if if I woke up tomorrow and been like, okay, what is my job? What what is my job? Then it would be acting, you know. Yeah, and not necessarily. It didn't even. It wouldn't even necessarily have to be big budget acting. Right. It could be, you know, Vin. It could be like Vin Diesel at the beginning of his career doing a bunch of indie <laughs> shit. Right. You know, be like, oh, I'm like, you know, the darling of the Sunset Festival because. My shit is always is it sunset? What's it called? Sunset Film Festival. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's like oh, every year this motherfucker got like two movies. I sure do, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> and you're here for both of them. And you're here for you will get your life. Okay, last <laughs> thing, and we're gonna get out of here because we've been here for a minute. Um, this is a wild card question. Mm-hmm. I haven't done this in a while, so I had to bring it back. And in honor of Black Panther now being the highest grossing domestic superhero superhero film um and it probably won't be for very long so let's celebrate cuz I feel like yes. once Infinity War comes out it's going to smash every record right like ev- literally every record is going to be like all of the records that you know Black Panther are is making now Mm-hmm. They're probably going to be smashed by Infinity War, so I just want you guys to prepare yourselves for that. But for now, Black Panther is the highest selling domestic superhero film. So in honor of that, here's a Black Panther edition of Fuck, Mary Kill. Mm-hmm. So Fuck, Mary Kill, T'Challa, Killmonger, and Baku. So I would... Fuck Killmonger, marry Mbaku, and kill T'Challa. Same. Yes. Same. I mean, I... have y'all have you seen this man? Like, he is as wide as a doorframe. Like, and he's tall. I would he's climb the fuck tall. out of him. Do you he's hear me? He's very tall. He has and nice he likes the Golden lips. Girls. I know, right? And he like, like, we already go together. Like, yeah. he's basically like, we go together. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, yeah. sorry, T'Challa. I like you, but I'd have to kill you. And there ain't going to be no heart-shaped herb resurrection either. Like, you're nah. just, just going to have to stay dead, sis. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, yeah I don't know. see it for you. If the characters were different, then T'Challa's fate would probably be different. But right between Killmonger and, and Baku, sorry. Yeah, sorry. So, with that being said, and we're wrapping it up on that note, that is the end of this episode of Gay Side Stories. Thank you guys for listening. Marcus, uh, if you so desire, please tell people where they can find you. Absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. J06. That is the word Mr. spelled out on Instagram, Mr. J06. Um, Facebook under Marcus Johnson. It's very um, common name. So look for one that is in D.C. And on Twitter, you can find me at Twitless Ghost. Twitless underscore ghost. Ah, Okay. The underscore makes a difference, y'all. Yes, it does. All right. You guys, remember, go to GaySideStories.com for more information. That is the hub. If you want to get in contact with me, you can do so by email. It's GaySideStories at gmail.com. The social media pages, Twitter and Instagram, are at GaySideStories. Facebook.com slash GaySideStories. And there's also the hashtag GaySidePod discussion group on Facebook. You guys... Make sure you're subscribing to the show wherever you get your show. That way you will get notifications automatically every week when the show drops. I am doing my best to be consistent, so you should be getting weekly shows. If not, feel free to come for my wig meet and ask where the show is. Um, And if you are enjoying what I'm doing, you want to encourage me. The best way you can encourage me beyond just words of, of affirmation and affection is to go to Apple Podcasts or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast and leave a rating, leave a review, you know, write those words of affirmation in the rating review so other people can see it helps with the visibility of the show and all of that good stuff. You hear it on every podcast. Why does every podcaster encourage you to go leave a review? Because it's important. We would all not be talking about it if it wasn't important. All right. So go and do that. Help a brother out. Uh, if you have any suggestions for guests or topics, go ahead and feel free to send that stuff to me as well. I've been trying to work on my guest list and see what I'm going to do for these next few episodes. Um, and I think that's it. Thanks again for listening. And remember the lost commandment, you guys. Thou shalt protect thy walls so they will root, they will crumble. All right. If you don't protect your walls and I mean every wall, I've said this before, your financial walls, your uterine walls, your anal walls. Okay. All of the walls, your penile walls. Okay. Cause a lot of y'all feel like you ain't got to do nothing for the penis. Them penile walls protect them too. I'm just saying. All right. You be out here with gangrene dick like Usher. Then you're going to be mad at the rest of us. (laughs) All right. That's all I'm saying. And we are out of here. You guys. Bye. Bye.